Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Naturalist Capitalist. I just wanted to let you know that in this episode my audio is a little wonky and my internet connection isn't that good. I don't know why. Before we went live we tested everything and it sounded fine. As soon as we started streaming my audio didn't sound good and the internet connection got a little shaky. Uh, toward the end it's all fine, but for the first two-thirds my audio is kind of muffled and a little scratchy, so I'm sorry about that. But this is a really great episode. I don't even talk that much. It's mostly Dan McAdams and Ryan Dawson. So definitely check it out. And without any further ado, let's get into the Four Horsemen with Dan McAdams. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Naturalist Capitalist. This is the 15th installment of the Four Horsemen. We've only had one of them removed so far. We'll see if this changes that. But uh as always, we're bringing you the best guests. We're only going for an hour today, so we're just going to skip all the introductions. But we, of course, got Eric Jackman, Ryan Dawson, and our special guest today is Daniel McAdams, the executive director for the Ron Paul Institute and co-host on the Liberty Report. Daniel, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, guys. I'm really happy to be with you. I'm excited. Yeah, this is uh, this is a monumental meeting right here. So I, I didn't even realize, but... I. Uh, I guess you and Ryan, you guys actually know each other kind of well. You've done a lot of correspondence and stuff. I had no idea, but how, how far back does that go? I think it goes back a few years. We had a mutual friend, and I've watched Ryan's stuff for a long time, and I, I think I was on his show once, but, you know, it's been, it's been definitely a few years. You may have been when I was working with Sabelle. Uh, I think, yeah, right after Lou Rockwell. It's possible. Michael Kyle, of course, was an Irish journalist we both knew. He Four days ago, it had been five years to the day, May 11th, since he passed away. Yeah. Uh, and I'll always kick myself for not answering that Skype call, but probably nothing I could have done. But, yeah, may he rest in peace. He did a lot of great work. Yep. And unfortunately for Daniel and I, we had lot, like long conversations, first on Facebook, then on Twitter. Both were deleted. Uh, for me, both <laughs> Twitter and, and Facebook. Gone. And of yeah, course, gone. Yeah. Of course, they banned Daniel for calling Sean Hannity by his nickname. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one his mother gave him. <laughs> I think I missed that one. What did they call him? Trump's toilet? Retarded. <laughs> <laughs> There's no better way to get banned off of Twitter than going after Sean Hannity, though. I mean, what a cool. Yeah, he's I got a few. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. What'd you do? I don't know. I said a fact. Yeah. So I, I imagine in the Paul household, they're pretty proud of Rand right now for uh, blocking that aid to Ukraine. That must yeah. be a moment of celebration. Am I right, Daniel? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great move. I mean, you know, it's easy to say, well, it's going to pass anyway. But you guys know how these things work. It's all about momentum. The thing was going like like Reed Coverdale's truck down the road with the big old friggin' piece of equipment on the back, right? 80 MPH. And all of a sudden, Rand stands up and says, hang on a minute. Can I at least get an inspector general to have a look and make sure this is not all going up Zelensky's nose? And they said, <laughs> <laughs> and they said no freaking way. You know, this is ridiculous. Don't do you hate freedom? So, yeah, I mean, they're going to vote on it next week, probably. But in the interim, it gives the opportunity at least to, you know, to, 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 for people to take a deep breath, for Americans to say, crap, I can't even get, you know, you know the inflation's out the window, no baby food, 
you know, uh, maybe this isn't such a great idea. So I think just the pause, even though it ultimately probably will go, um, is, a, is a great thing. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of Ukrainian flags disappear from people's social media bios over the last few days. Like, they're all like, yeah, I stand with Ukraine. But then when you find out, oh, they're going to send $40 billion away when gas is, you know, $6 a gallon and they can't buy any food and everything's going to hell here back at home. I don't think so. So it just changes the way people look at it. Well, there's been like three next new things since Ukraine, right? They had to rage out against Elon and then abortion or, you know, lack, lack of ability to kill babies, whatever, you know, so Ukraine that's in the goldfish brain. That's three new things ago. You know, yeah. that's, that's way back there with COVID, you know, yeah, for sure. <laughs> $40 yeah. billion dollars is more than the second largest military expenditure. I mean, think about it. We are spending seven to $800 billion a year. That's more than the next like 30 largest militaries put together. Right. And we wanted to send them more in aid than what Russia spends. <clears throat> and it would it just be thrown it in the fireplace because that war is done. I mean, even with even with our best gear, they'd still lose that war because the artillery is already in place. That's over. What I'm worried about is Finland. They're on a suicide mission. This is how far we are in our own end zone. We're hoping like Turkey will block them from joining NATO. The Turkey's <laughs> like, we need a few billion and it'll be okay. Uh, yeah, they'll take the Erdogan will take the prize. But with, <laughs> we're so far in our own end zone. We're like, can we have money for our own babies and, and maybe kill less of them? Uh, no, we're going to spend $40 billion on war, 80 Nazis, but you can't have baby formula. And if we find any, we're going to send it to Mexico. <laughs> You know that's that's not a joke. <laughs> Forty billion. All I could get was friggin' Bono to perform down in the subway station. What the hell? I couldn't even get like share down there to bomb. You know, I mean the forty billion is basically money laundering. It's coming out of the taxpayer's pocket and going right back to you know Raytheon and all of those big companies who stand to gain immensely from you know sending armaments and selling equipment over to Ukraine. So it's basically just a big money laundering scheme. That's what Ukraine is. And has been for eight years, you know, no question about it. But Finland's interesting because the prime minister, she's 34 years old. Um, if you look at her resume, I mean, there's so much of this. You see it in Olaf Scholz. You see it in the, uh, forget her name, the foreign minister of Germany. You see it in Liz Truss in the UK. These are people of zero consequence. They have done literally nothing in their life. They've come up through, maybe come up through a party or they've come up this way or that. Maybe they've had a little help from Soros or whatever. But these are people of zero conf uh, consequence, zero intellectual heft. And so when you see this little 34-year-old chickie saying, hey, let's join NATO, that sounds great. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, it's astonishing. You know, yeah, the, the leaders have always sucked, but at least a few of them have actually been fairly smart, or at least some of the, you know, the people in the second, third tiers have actually been fairly smart. We're left with the dumbest of the dumb, and they're leading us down a path. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of these uh, young leaders from the World Economic Forum pushes a lot of these people. But I was, I was thinking as you were explaining that, did she come from musical theater? We do have a bunch of actors, right, that came out of theater. We've got Macron, we've got Zelensky, we've got Trudeau, uh, all pretty young as far as heads of state go. And Zelensky came out of nowhere. I mean, he literally is a comedian from Ihor Kolomoisky's television networks, 
program about becoming president and then he became president sick <clears throat> price of blow must be going up too by the way you mentioned raytheon i was thinking you know drug cartels are gonna make a cloud of money <laughs> that guy's i mean it's like even the cia is getting lazy because these like these things are just writing themselves you know they're just rehashing them you know this he played it oh, hey, i got a great idea okay get a dude who played president on tv and then make him president oh yeah yeah <laughs> And it's rubbing our nose in it. He plays piano with his dick. Oh, this is awesome. Everyone's going to love this. Anytime uh, I hear uh, the Russian foreign minister or Putin or any of them speak, and then I like cut to Kamala Harris or Joe Biden trying to speak, I'm embarrassed. I, I'm like, I, I feel sorry. For them, every time I see Kamala or Biden on the microphone, I cringe because I'm thinking, oh, poor America. Because we had very elegant, at least, they, at least they could speak, presidents and vice presidents in the past, right? And now we have Russia is a big country. Ukraine is a smaller country. Yeah, and Eric, how did it, what was the de-evolution of presidential uh, eloquency like? How, how, how far... We went. Uh, we went from ask not from Mr. Kennedy to we need wall. <laughs> we need we need wall and border security, okay. And Rosie O'Donnell has been put on the kill list. She's on my kill list, if you can believe that or not, Dan. She's a she's a big she's a big uh, designated target for the kill list. Yeah, we, we we've fallen a long way, man. And uh, yeah, Brandon's not steering the ship, and it's uh, like you said, Dan. They just don't even need to write a new script anymore. I mean, what they're doing is just. Is, is playing out in real time and it's not even like shocking or surprising sadly so um, <laughs> they made a ministry of truth yeah <laughs> to edit tweets yeah so, at least so, she seems really you know nonpartisan and independent minded it doesn't seem like she's just like totally backing the ukraine narrative at all you know you see a profile picture it's uh, i think the american flags after the ukraine flag and you look through her tweets and it's all about russia gate and how evil uh, WikiLeaks is, and you know, it's just like wow, you guys chose the worst but person. I think if anything, this creates a great opening though for libertarians and non-intervention and what we all believe and stand for. So, I mean, this is kind of a layup for the liberty movement right now. I mean, what yeah. kind of openings do you see, Dan, here for libertarians and people overall to argue against intervention? It is. It is. I mean, it, it the gate is open wide. I mean, it's just it's how do you push past the propaganda? I mean. I first started working for Dr. Paul just, you know, like a year or so before we went into Iraq. And I was astonished at, like, at how, you know, um, how domineering the propaganda was, how, you know, you're a Saddam lover. But that was a walk in the park compared to now. I mean, you literally cease mm -hmm. to exist. So if you challenge like, the narrative over the past two years, the narrative of COVID, of course, and then now it's gotten so much more difficult. Um, I just think that people are... You know, they're, they're just shell-shocked, I guess is the word. They're shell-shocked. It is a great time to make the point for liberty, um, but it's it's it just doesn't seem to be getting through right now. I think Jeremy Kaufman might get in. Yeah. He, you could literally run and say, hi, I'm running for state senate. I'm not them. <laughs> that would be enough <laughs> at this point. Yeah. yeah. Do you think uh, that the narrative is cracking better now than it did in 2003 like do you think 
I mean, it seems like there was more initial pushback against the war in Iraq, but it didn't seem to fall apart as quickly as this is. Like, this is just so obviously stupid and people are, you know, more economically, uh, you know, in trouble back home. So do you think that people are starting to realize what a racket this is faster? I wish I could say yes. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I think people are just, you know, they're dizzy. They're, they're, they're knocked, they're knocked upside the head, uh, you know, and, um, yeah, we, we, we see the narrative is collapsing. We see that the, we see what's happening on the ground. I'm sure that, you know, the three of you follow it as closely as I do the cauldrons and how these guys are just like basically, you know, like fish in a barrel getting shot. Um, but, um, you know, I just, as Ryan said, when we started, I mean, it's the, the, the next new thing is coming so freaking quickly that there's no time to, you know, to beat the hell out of the people who are lying to us on the last thing. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's what's frustrating. Yeah. What do you think, I, Ryan? I think do you think it's worse now or worse back then? From what I'm hearing from the plebs, and I, I you know, I talk to people and we have TV media to get a feel for that side because it's so far from me, I, I can't without it. They think Ukraine's winning the war, and la da and, you know, at best, they think, yeah, well, the inflation was happening before Putin, so Biden, this is just a distraction they're using. It's all Biden's fault, whatever. What people are mad about, though, because you hit them in the wallet, is gas prices and baby formula and food prices and supply chain uh, and jobs and you know the normal things that affect their life they don't of course ukraine affects their life. they don't see the connection between the, all the military spending in ukraine and the rising prices and they don't see the connection in you know sanctioning fertilizer and how that's affecting food prices up they just know the prices are going up and biden's the one in charge it's his fault so it's kind of like the right thing for the wrong reason you could say yeah. but i wouldn't say they're like more aware and they know everything that's going on they just know the super obvious hey i have to pay more now than i used to i kind of miss the last guy and i think okay. tactic i think tactically that's our opening i mean i would love you know to have this idea that we're going to make a superb libertarian argument and everyone is just going to put down their you know cnn or whatever and follow us i don't think it's going to happen that way but I think a good tactical argument is just kind of an old fashioned, you know, they're ripping you off. They're, they're sending money overseas when you can't even buy gas. Come on. You know, and right. Massey had a great tweet the other day where he said, we sent more money in the last two months to Ukraine than we spent on the entire road system in the United States for the past year. Stuff like that, I think, will resonate with people who don't really want to contemplate necessarily a deeper philosophical meaning. And hey, I'll take it. I'll take the tactical victory anytime. You know, I like, you know, I like, you know, kick below the belt. Why not? You guys should do a tour of Hatteras Island where I'm from, because right now we have houses falling in the ocean. And I saw the R video. Yeah, you put it yeah. Yeah. RT covered it and Reuters. And that's all I saw. We, I couldn't find a paper in North Carolina talking about houses in North Carolina falling into the ocean. And, of course, I don't have time to get into the whole background why that is. It's not because someone built their house next to the water. When they built those houses, it wasn't next to the water. The beach has been eroding every year because of dredging by the government, burning vegetation by the government, removing sand to fill in a swamp by the government. We, we're death by government, right? So the old Reagan phrase scariest sentence in English language is hi we're the government we're here to help and yeah 
we forty billion dollars for Ukraine. They couldn't get seven million dollars for a bridge, right? And we couldn't, we can't do anything like other states that make breakwaters and jetties and other things to protect their infrastructure, because North Carolina is the only state on the East Coast that doesn't have a large port city because of the island chain. Everybody else has a, a Boston yeah. or a New York or something, you know, a Miami, a, a Norfolk, whatever. Carolina doesn't have that, so we don't have the voting power. And unfortunately, Walter Jones Jr. has passed away, and the new guy is just a, you know, run of the mill, do whatever the party says. Type Craig of Murphy. Huh? Is that Craig Murphy, your congressman? Yeah, District Three. Yeah. Just. And uh, I was gonna run actually when Jones passed away, but that like two days after, when as soon as I said I'm gonna run for Congress, they took my YouTube away. I was like, well, I can't raise the funds now, so I didn't do it. Yeah. But I think I could have won that district because they all know who I am anyway. Yeah, I used to go into the county commission meetings and people would go to the county commission meetings to see what I'm going to say at the county commission. Yeah. <laughs> it's like original Alex Stein right there. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, um, it was comedy, but not that kind. It was just speaking yeah. truth to power. Right. But <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, Daniel, I know Ron Paul worked with uh, Dennis Kucinich a lot in Congress. He was able to reach across the aisle. Uh, and find areas of agreement. Right now, it's amazing, but like none of the Democrats seem to care at all about the poor or about war or about civil liberties, <laughs> like anything that they're supposed to care about that's good. Labor. Is that surprising at all to you, or does that just kind of figure and, you know, just not too surprising? How do you feel about that? Well, my first letdown was when Obama was elected because we had a great. Um, uh, you know, cross, you know, cross philosophy, anti-war coalition with the progressives on Capitol Hill and uh, the conservatives and libertarians and progressives. Uh, and we had a great coalition. And I would, you know, I would because, you know, the Republicans at the time were in leadership. And I was like to the point where I was just I would just pass my progressive counterparts, you know, Republican talking points so they'd know what to expect in committee hearings. And stuff like that, you know, it's like, you know, forget these guys. I'm going to do whatever we can. But then as soon as Obama got elected, it sort of dried up. The anti-war stuff dried up um, to a degree. And that was pretty that was pretty upsetting. And it was a real eye opener for me. But at this point, I mean, we did a show, I think it was on Thursday. And we put up a picture of Pelosi. And she's flanked by um, Jim McGovern and Barbara Lee. And I mean, these are, and I said to Dr. Paul, these are people who you shared a podium with at press conference after press conference after press conference saying, end the war, out of Iraq, out of Afghanistan. You know, I mean, Barbara Lee was so hardcore anti-war, she voted against going into Afghanistan. And here they are pissed off because the money, the 40, the 40 bill, sorry, uh, is not going to Zelensky fast enough. It is really depressing. Uh, you know, Tulsi's gone. Uh, Kucinich is gone. Uh, and there's just no, there's no progressive anti-war movement at all. Um, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing that the anti-war movement is emerging on the right. And I think that's encouraging. And you have people that are sort of straddling the line like J.D. Vance, who's brain dead on China. But, but he, you know, had the courage to say, I don't really care what happens in Ukraine. I couldn't care less. Uh, and he was pilloried for it and he won. So I think in, in a sense, it's exciting that the, that the anti-war movement is there on the right uh, if it can percolate up more, but it still is depressing that there's not a broad coalition. Dawson, yeah. are we so far in our own end zone when we're cheering for Marjorie Taylor Greene 
making a stink. <laughs> you right. he, our, our base with, Q army in Congress. <laughs> I call them like the right wing AOCs, the the Boberts and Marjorie Taylor Greens, Cawthorn people like that. But like that, yeah, we're that far in our own end zone. We're like, well, maybe they'll say something. You know, I guess we have Massey. He's not nuts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's good Sometimes actually. Matt but... Gates is good too when he's not going across state lines. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's weird because a lot of these good ones, whatever, they're all compromised. Well, and right. You yeah. saw that with Cawthorn. They came when he when well, he came out, and Douglas McGregor talked about this, and he said, "I don't know if I can say this on YouTube." Y'all know what he said about what he was invited to. You yeah. know, that's the dark stuff. And uh, you know, I got a map on the wall about that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I guess yep. uh, let's call him Ray Pepstein. Um, <laughs> he said that. And then instantly, um, footage comes out, which was weird. Who was filming that secretly, yeah. anyway? Of him, and what friend knew doing... that? That friend must. That friendship must be dead now. <laughs> that was yeah. That video. Yeah. Yeah, it was an instant shitstorm. You're right. The second he said something, so but you could you could see that with whistleblowers too. When when Elliot Spitzer was talk talk telling on Wall Street, suddenly it came out he was having an affair with an 18 year old, Stop which I was it. like, oh, at least she's an adult, sorta. Yeah, like that's that's how far we are on our end zone. I was like, oh, it was with a woman. Wow. Oh, an adult. Wow. You know, yeah. it's so it used to be even worse, right? Uh, Vitter was another one. They can't. So any one of these guys that comes out with something, and if they don't have any dirt on you, they go to Plan call B, which is Russian call you racist. No, they call you racist. Oh. So like, so uh, like Ron Paul even racist newsletters you know that's a such a canard and they did it at elon musk recently he's threatening he's threatening he says he's going to buy twitter and, and give a, he's threatening us with free speech they said he's from south africa the apartheid la 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 all through cnn msnbc implying that elon musk is a racist what yeah. a joke but i'm hoping that no longer works because then i can run because that's I don't have any dirt, sexual dirt, so they call me a racist. And I'm like, like when that loses its power because they just said it about too many people, uh, I will try to run again. That'd be amazing. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> I know, I'm ready to move back and do it. <laughs> like, I'm sick of it, man. Our houses are falling in the water. I'm invigorated now. I'm like, man, so, I need to get back there and fix it. Dan, you, you said you, you started working with Dr. Paul leading up to the invasion of Iraq. How did you come to meet him and, and work with him? Well, I was, um, I told the story a million times. I don't want to bore everyone, but I was living in Budapest and I was, um, I was doing a lot of work in the Balkans and Yugoslavia. And I saw the shitstorm that was coming with the 1999 invasion. And that's when I discovered the Rockwell and antiwar.com. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, I'm reading this congressman who's he's like, because I know because I'm there and I'm seeing all the stuff that's happening. And here's a guy who totally gets it and totally sees through it. And so I thought it's like the greatest guy ever. I mean, I because I wasn't into politics, you know, just wasn't involved, didn't care. And this is the, like the greatest guy. What's this libertarian stuff? I don't know what it is, but it sounds pretty good. And it's just like a just like a, a freak, a, a freak occurrence. That when I got back to DC, I went to work for a neocon. I won't go into that uh, detail. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly not on this show. <clears throat> but I was discovered and fired. I didn't know. I was. I was in hunger. Like you, you know, Ryan. I mean, when you're abroad for a long time, you sort of like. I mean, and that was sort of like early internet too. Like I didn't know the fault lines. I didn't give a crap. I was actually hired because I was against NATO expansion, and so was the head of this of this neocon think tank, and so that was the origin of it. But so anyway, I was fired, 
Um, and I went to see Dr. Paul. He wasn't available, so I talked to the person who did foreign affairs for him, Joe Becker, and said, hey, you guys were so awesome. I was right there on the ground. I know the crap that was happening. You're so right. And then, you know, I was fired, and like a few weeks later, he called and said, hey, don't say anything, but are you looking for work? And I said, um, yeah. <laughs> so it turns out he wanted to quit. He'd been there for a while, and he wanted to make sure, because it was in the middle of the session, that there was someone capable who could um, replace him. And I had been on anti-war published. I'd been published on the Rockwell a bunch of times and stuff. So I was kind of in the club in a way already. So, you know, sorry for the long story, but that's, that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. No, I was just interested to hear that. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a light bulb moment for a lot of people when they discover the good doctor and, and, and the, the, the simplicity of how brilliant it is. It's, I mean, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a big mystery to people, but when you hear someone who did reach the corridors of power in Congress, like Dr. Paul did, to be speaking so plainly and so truthfully, because you're so used to people being so treacherous and, and deceitful and lying and pro-war, that when you hear yeah. someone like Ron Paul, or De I'm good friends with Dennis Kucinich, a big fan of his too, when you would hear those guys saying what they're saying, you're like, wow, we need another 200 of those guys in there. But, um, but you'll never awesome. get them. I mean, it'll never happen. Yeah. You know, I yeah. Mean, It'll never happen. It'll never be allowed. But, you know. I, I yeah. learned about him in fifth grade from an older girl on our bus because on our island it's K through 12. I guess she was in high school. Her last name was Reed. She was a, the niece of the dude from Ninja Turtles. But um, she was adamantly against the first Gulf War. And I was asking, like, well, did anybody say no? And, she, and she's like, yeah, on Paul. And there was no internet or anything back then, but I just remembered the name because it was like two first names. Two first names. Yeah, and I was like, as soon as I can find out more, I will. And I, this is when Walter Beeman Jones Sr. was in office, and I, we got to go on a field trip to D.C. <laughs> in fifth grade to talk to him. Wow. And I gave him an earful about beach erosion and stuff, and I remember going, just going by and looking, but never, never talked to him. Wow. It's <clears throat> cool. So, I mean, it, it's... It is disheartening, like how many people still buy into everything. But at the same time, I forget who it was, but there was this guy on Tucker Carlson, I think last night, talking about Ron Paul and how he was right about the Federal Reserve. And I mean, you hear a lot more people talking about stuff that was just completely outside of the lexicon, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago. And now people know a lot of that stuff. So is that encouraging at all that? a lot of the stuff that he brought attention to people are like hmm he was kind of right about that and they're talking about them more than they used to at least yeah i think so i mean i think you're right i mean it's no longer like oh there's this quirky guy talking about the fed because there's a lot of people talking about the fed you know on on the left and the right and i think that's good it's kind of normalized this you know this concern over it you know the the, the problem you know a presidential campaign focuses the mind because it's of a finite nature. And so there's a sense of urgency. And so, you know, Ron, you know, Ron Paul hits big in 07, hits big in 11. But when the campaign's over, you know, the problem is that attention wanes. People go on to the rest of their lives. And, you know, that's the real challenge, at least that we feel at the Institute, is trying to, like, maintain that level of interest with the understanding that people, you know, it's not a campaign, it's not a rally, it's, you know, it's something different. So it's it's a real challenge. Yeah. Yeah, so Ryan, what do you think about our uh, greatest ally attacking a funeral the other day? 
of an well, American I, journalist. Yeah, I did a video. Um, I watched it last night. Uh, yeah, Abu I, I like I was I did that ad lib because here I just kind of woke up to that news because the way the time zones are, and I thought, please be Babylon B or something. But I knew I mean this isn't the first time actually. This is the first time this kind of story's gotten attention, but. You know, they were celebrating the, the burning down when the Hilltop Boys burned down a, a whole family and killed a three-year-old and his parents, or a baby and their parents. The three-year-old survived as missing fingers and burned skin, baby Ali, and they had a party celebrating it, and they held his picture up, and they were stabbing it with daggers and things. A whole room full of adults stabbing the picture of a baby. That's how lost the lunatic state is. They... They shoot Shireen and then they tried to blame it on Palestinians, always screaming pain as they beat you kind of thing. It's weird old, these supremacists, they call them the GCL, God's Chosen Lunatics. And then even Ben Shapiro is out. It's not clear who shot her. It's pretty clear now with the Israeli police getting out their batons and attacking the coffin. Couldn't even leave the corpse alone. And, that's just, and we give them money. We give them billions in forgiven loans every year. Like the, the foreign aid that's given to Israel, you could build a, a brand new wall all the way across Mexico every year for what we give away to a racist apartheid regime that has a swath of people that are okay with killing babies. Actually, babies that are born. Of course, there are some Democrats that support birthday abortions too, you know, for the psychological health of the mother. That's something New York put through. I think Virginia, I mean, the Virginia shot it down, but. They actually, even the, to, to suggest that, nowhere in the discussion of pro-choice and pro-life ever have I heard anybody on the pro-choice side say it's okay to kill a baby nine months in. That's like, oh, of course not, right? Yeah. But no, 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 not with the woke left. You can kill a, after it's out even, as long as it's, it hasn't been out that long, you know. <laughs> it's insane. We really, it's, like it's I would say satanic. Like these people hate children. They want to give them yeah. hormone blockers and stuff. They're okay with killing babies. They're okay with bombing babies. They made slavery great again in Libya. They dumped depleted uranium, which also affects unborn children and stuff. It's like if there was a human sacrifice thing in, you know, Nancy Pelosi's out there sucking souls through her eyeballs or something, or maybe the resident ginger that's our, our new uncensored uh, uh, White House spokesperson right they they censored kelly mckinney for telling the truth but the ginger pataki or whatever her name is pasaki it's ball sacky whatever she's gone uh, yo yes her replacement is even worse though and that that had to be a challenge they're like okay you know how they, they, remember the joke we have how we, could we get dumber and we ended up with kamala um the new person, what's her name? Pierre, Pierre. Or whatever. John, John Pierre or something. I just John know she Pierre. checks a lot of boxes. She's, <laughs> I think she's cis, but she's uh, gay and she's black and she's a woman. So that was, I think, what really mattered the most. But. Yeah, she, yeah, she's LBTQRSTUV negative seven squared eleven, whatever. And yeah, she's female. Oh, well, we can't say that. You can't say woman because we don't know what a woman is. So just well, no, we, we, we do again now. Like we, there was no such thing as a woman until the. Be like, can you define black, please? Yeah. <laughs> can you define black? Like, a, uh, how much pigment does it take to become? Then you're black, right? Uh, so Daniel, 
So now that we're probably giving forty billion to Ukraine, do you think billion to breaking up there, Reed? It broke up a little bit, Reed. Can you yeah, hear me now? The NSA just got hold of you, bud. Yeah. Oh, am I still breaking up or am I coming through clear? Better now, yeah. Okay. Uh, Daniel, I was asking you, do you think now that we've given uh, $40 billion to Ukraine that Israel is going to be upset there in second place and we're going to have to give them $41 billion? <laughs> I was thinking about that. Yeah, I was thinking about that. That's that's interesting. You know, uh, that's I mean, they were number one. Now they're not anymore. Uh, and uh, they've, you know, they've taken, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you guys have been noticing this, but, you know, Russia has always had an interesting relationship with Israel. I mean, Putin has has had a decent relationship with Netanyahu and Bennett, um, you know, and has had to. But there seems to have been a real break. I mean, we have the whole Lavrov thing with, the, you know, Hitler, Hitler was Jewish uh, and didn't back down. Uh, and uh, there have been a couple of other things that Lavrov said. And, you know, Russia's pretty PO'd at Israel for going along with the Ukraine thing. I haven't seen this kind of an obvious break between Russia and Israel uh, since I've been watching things. I'm sure Ryan watches it a lot more closely. But are you guys sensing this? Does this seem a little weird and unprecedented? Well, the big thing is they recognize the Golan Heights as part of Syria. Yeah, that's true. I forgot that part. Yeah. Yeah. And then Syria also recognized is the only other state, I think, besides some little ones, Belarus, I think, too that recognize the independent territories in Donbass, they immediately did that. I thought, yeah, have on board. You know what you ought to do is recognize every Native American nation in the U.S. and they'll all recognize <laughs> you back. <laughs> and that's a PR nightmare. What are they going to do about it, right? You're like, if you recognize Lakota Nation or something, like, okay, and then they recognize Donbass. It's just Chad all the way. But yeah, that's huge. And then, uh, He's wrong about his Hitler comments, but that is something a lot of people believe. And it wouldn't matter if he was part Jewish or not. I mean, he did what he did. But the point he was making is it doesn't matter. People are confused. Like, oh, how could Zelensky work with Nazis if he's Jewish? I'm like, well, how does Israel work with Al Qaeda right now? Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> they're both attacking Syria. Like, that doesn't bother them because Zionism has nothing to do with Judaism. They don't give up about Jews. They care about commercial interests. And it's the religion... It, their real religion is worshiping themselves. Theological Judaism has nothing to do with, it's just a religious theme to justify uh, or to use as a shield against critics. So like they can bulldoze down private property and replace it with their own ethnic group, which is just, you know, a racist apartheid regime. But if you say anything about it, then they'll yell anti-Semite. So it's just a canard to stave off critics because if you yell racism, the entire left shuts down, right? And then couching yourself in Judeo-Christianity, the whole right shuts down. So no one's criticizing your actions all the way to the point where they openly just run over people with bulldozers like they did Rachel Corey, right? And Mersheimer, John Mersheimer actually, who was a co-author of the book on the lobby, he had a talk one time, I think it was at one of those DC events with Grant Smith. I know Grant was there. I don't know if that's what the event was, but he said, what would happen if you or I went down there and they just killed us? Nothing. And they don't care. The U.S. wouldn't do anything. American gets shot. American gets run over the bullets and we just had a journalist shot and then they attacked the funeral. Nothing happened. Will anything happen from the U.S. side about Israel attacking funerals? No. Because the U.S. attacks funerals. They drone strike funerals all the time, right? Double tap. 
But speaking of the 40 billion, you said, is Israel going to be jealous because first time ever, you know, they're going to be outpaced. Well, I mean, why is Joe Biden only given half the aid to Ukraine that he gave to the Taliban? Didn't they walk away with like $80 billion worth of weapons? <laughs> it's true. Oh, my God. And you know what they're doing? They're just sending junk, like junk howitzers and outdated stuff to Ukraine. And then they turn around. They did a $1.4 billion of replacement weapons to offset what we the aid we gave Ukraine. But it's not equivalent. Like they're making the brand new, newest generation, whatever, for you know F thirty five. I'm getting going, uh -huh. uh, that stuff. And then they just send obsolete a weaponry to Ukraine, which won't even make it to the front, most likely. And if it does, it doesn't work. They won't be able to repair it. And uh, Russia outpaces even our best stuff anyway. So it's just a meat grinder. They're willing to you know fight to the last Ukrainian. They could care less. And that's the worst thing is they act like, oh, we love Ukraine. And it's the total opposite. Anybody that really cares about Ukraine would want the war to end. And, you know, look, acknowledge what you to get out of NATO, make concessions, make these promises. But you ain't got Finland walking the opposite direction. They want to join NATO. That's not that's the thing, but that's not the big thing. They're agreeing to put F-35As in Finland which can carry nuclear warheads. Now, Matt, just a, this is the whole act of put yourself in someone else's shoes, right? We don't have this ability with American exceptionalism, but just imagine if Russia put attack planes in Mexico that could carry nuclear bombs. We'd invade Mexico. Or you don't even have to imagine. Imagine if they had attack planes or let's say missiles in Cuba that had nuclear yeah. warheads. What would we do? Oh, we do the Bay of Pigs is what we'd do. Bay of Pigs failed, by the way, because <laughs> the ground support is the exact opposite of what they say. He's like, Kennedy didn't send air support. Yes, he did. The ground support wasn't there. The anti-crasher Cubans weren't there, and they weren't there because they didn't have the weapons we thought they did because they diverted those to Israel. <laughs> hmm. Full and circle. Kennedy, Kennedy figured all this out, and somebody shot him. <clears throat> yeah. And then his brother was shot by a Palestinian Christian. Uh-huh. All by himself, Sirhan Sirhan. Won't get into those rabbit holes, but nowadays uh, you wouldn't even be allowed to question those things. Any conspiracy the left has, Russia Gate or whatever, can't talk about it. But you want to talk about Ashley's diary or Hunter's laptop or, you know, mail-in votes or whatever, you or <laughs> COVID, the Fauci virus, not allowed. You're not allowed to even entertain those things the ministry of truth will clamp down on you banned on all social media and never get on mass media and financial things like paypal and patreon kick you off as they yeah. just did the consortium news and i believe mint press mint got press. kicked off paypal yeah. you know i opened the oven door i said hi guys been waiting for you a long time <laughs> yeah, 2014 i got kicked off paypal the first time so daniel do you have any um Predictions about how the midterms will play out, and then after that, what do you think the GOP primary looks like in twenty four? It's just terrible, isn't it? I mean, I mean, yeah, we had fifty seven no votes on the forty forty billion dollars, uh, and as you point out, there's you know there's some pretty unreliable people in there. I mean, the, the Republicans, this was theirs to lose, and and they've, they've been so stupid on this war, uh, they've misread the American people. We saw, I mean, there was a new. 
there was a new poll, I'm sure you guys saw it, the Democracy Institute or whatever did a poll showing that people aren't buying the Putin price hike thing. They don't give a crap if Ukraine loses. Uh, you know, it's just not resonating with the Republicans being as dumb as they are. are not. I mean, this is the perfect wedge issue for them to say that the Democrats are, are shoveling, you know, tons of money in, in a no-win war, the proxy war. They're not doing it. They've never seen a war that they don't like. So, I mean... I mean, even if you feel good about winning, you're still going to have McConnell. You're still going to have McCarthy. You're still going to have yeah. the guys. I mean, these guys have so much power. I mean, as I sound like an old timer, I guess I am. But it was even in the mid-2000s when I was in, it was so different. You know, an individual member, now it wasn't like a senator, but an individual member still had some, some pretty serious power. I mean, we did appropriations bills. You know, kids nowadays, they've never heard of it. It's like an eight-track cassette, right? <laughs> Appropriations bills were had an open rule. You could go down and you could claim time and you could strike funds from X and you could talk about it for 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever. You grab Kucinich to come down and talk about it. I mean, that's that was, a de- that was the only place where there was actually some debate going on. Um, and that's gone. So yeah. everything is in the hands of leadership. And even if the Republicans win... The leadership is going to be right. two of the most evil. I can't say the R word because I'll get banned, but you know what I mean. You know, corrupt yeah. people on earth. It seems, I hope you guys can hear me right now, but it seems like the Republicans who are kind of good on Russia, they're even worse on China than the establishment Republicans are. Uh, do you think there's any hope of that changing? That like people like Tucker Carlson, we can wake them up on China? Because none of us like China here. We all hate China, but. I mean, you know, being a war hawk on China isn't the solution, obviously. Well, I hate China for the right reasons because they want to have, they want, not because they're capitalists. That's the one good thing about them. The only good thing, all the crappy stuff about China is the stuff they love. The left loves it. The social credit system, uh, the, the, uh, the attack on free speech. I mean, all the really bad stuff about China, you know, the militant atheism. You know, I spent some time in China too. I mean, it, it just, it, you know, all the bad stuff is the stuff that the left likes about it, um, and all the good stuff uh, they hate about it. So, you know, Tucker, it's a, it's a, I mean, I said it's a blind spot, but you have this whole thing with Republicans. Yeah, okay, I don't want war with Russia because we got to go to war with China. You know, so right. You know, you missed the main point. No, we don't need to go to war with anyone. Exactly. And for twenty twenty four, do you have any? Uh... Any thoughts on what that primary might look like or any anyone you'd like to see run? I mean, I think a lot of the steam is out of Trump, don't you guys think? I mean, he's out there. He brought the Johnson & Johnson guy on stage and everyone was like, you know, like he passed yeah. gas in the microphone. I mean, nobody wanted – nobody was excited about this. The guy, his hands, fingers are not on the pulse anymore. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's a little, you know – it's depressing, you know, and look, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure Ryan, you know, feels the, the same way I do. You've got a pretty good governor in Florida on a lot of things, but there's a big blind spot. You know, where did he hold the first meeting of his staff? It wasn't, hint, it wasn't in the U.S. even, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, how far back we are in our own end zone. I, I'll overlook that just because he's so good on COVID and some other things. Eric, we have the Shekel chat requesting a comment from Jesse Ventura. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, you give me Nancy Pelosi 15 minutes at a waterboard, and I'll get her confessing to the Sharon Tate murders. 
<laughs> yeah, Daniel, I do a lot of impressions. I, I try to be the comic relief great. of the Four Horsemen uh, in the apocalypse here, you know? That was great. <laughs> I do I do a, a Ron Paul impression. Well, Daniel's a smart guy. I really enjoyed working with him. He likes to extol the virtues of freedom and liberty and free markets and non-interventionalism and getting rid of the Federal Reserve are all great things. <laughs> I really all stand for Daniel, right? I just followed the Constitution when I was in there, and I earned a nickname, Dr. No. Dr. No cured my apathy. Your Rand Paul's better, I think. But <laughs> oh, Mike, Mike, the, I have a twin brother. He does Rand pretty well. Oh, excuse me. I actually fell for that. I, I get the same stuff with my brother. I also have a twin. Yeah, we're both twins. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. all kinds of twins. Reed, where's your twin? What's up, dude? He, he doesn't look that much like me. My brother and I are not he's, interchangeable. He's in the he's <laughs> yeah. in the Donbass with Zelensky right now on the forty billion that's been appropriated. <laughs> if you shaved the beard and kept the mustache, you'd be a spitting image of John Wilkes Booth. There we go. That's high <laughs> praise coming from you. Plain relations. <laughs> so, Daniel, is Doctor Paul still uh, bicycling, riding his bike a lot, or? Every day, you know, I mean, uh, it's funny. I mean, we, uh, I go to church on Sunday and every, you know, we'll drive past and we'll see him. It's like eight in the morning and he's, he's on the same path doing his walk, doing his four miles a day, you know? And, um, it's kind of funny cause it's not for him. It's not just about, um, fitness. Fitness obviously helps, but he always says that that's, that's how he works out his problems. It's actually like his therapy, you know, yeah. um, when he walks, it's just how he deals with things that are bothering him, you know? And it's, probably a pretty good way to do it you know rather than sitting around with the bottle or whatever you know he's he's got a you know good way of doing it but i'll tell you what it's it's mid-may now and it's getting hot i was working out in the yard today with 87 degrees high humidity mm. and uh it doesn't exercise outside is not very fun it doesn't bother him though so you know that's better walking than johnny walker i yeah. do walking talks but i do them at night so it's not so hot <laughs> and <laughs> One reason so I don't wake up the babies, but I have the same feeling. Like if I'm walking around, I just think better. Like I, it's more natural for me to walk around and talk and sitting in a chair. E even if I'm listening to someone's podcast or something, I don't want to sit still. I'm like, well, I can walk around and listen to this, or I could go to the gym and listen to this. I can't just sit in a chair and listen to podcasts. Yeah. That's why I listen to uh, to to Dawson and Corbett when I'm at the gym. <laughs> All the Japanese expats, man. Yeah. <laughs> he was on the show. Uh, yeah, we had Corbett you know, on. Mike, uh, Michael, Kyle, and Corbett and I all were in the same establishment together. Gillette Osmond was there, too. Wow. Uh, and another journalist named Jeffries, uh, lesser known. But I had had Mike on my show on the anniversary of the Iraq War, like March 20th, to go over the whole neocon narrative and the Office of Special Plans, da-da-da-da-da. And then... When we went off air, he mentioned that he was interviewing Gilad Osman. I go, oh, I'm interviewing him, too, like through the computer. He goes, oh, he's in Japan. I go, what? Oh, he's in Osaka. What? And so that's how I met Mike. I'd known Mike's work, and then I finally interviewed him on the podcast. And then I, I knew he lived in Japan, but I didn't know where, and he was only like 40 minutes away. That's how we met each other. Wow. And, uh, Gilad, and I met. I knew James through his work, too. I met him in person the first time that day as well yeah that's a pretty serious uh expat community there yeah james <laughs> was having his first kid and he was super nervous and i was giving him dad advice <laughs> awesome yeah so daniel how much censorship did you guys deal with on the liberty report throughout the last couple of years i know you got 
excuse me, I know you got like locked out of your Facebook or something at one point, but uh, other than that, how hard did they come after you? A couple of times we got locked out. You know, I do think I hate this. I wouldn't even I hate to say it in public. I think we have a slight insurance policy because of the name of the person of the show. You know, it helps a little bit. I think, uh, mm -hmm. of course, it always does till it does, and it's like diplomatic immunity, right? It's always great until it doesn't work. Um, we lost a YouTube channel that you weren't using that much, right? I did for a while, then I got it back for oh, some good. reason. I don't know why, but you know, it's it's the you know the worst thing is the self censorship, and it's you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I'm ashamed to say it, but during COVID, I know that I self-censor. I didn't say what I wanted to say. And and I know Dr. Paul didn't self-censor. And so I'm always on pins and needles when he's talking because he's just <laughs> incapable of doing that. But you know, it's it's you know, it's it's like when you face something like that and you realize, you know, I'm not I'm not as much of a badass as I thought I was, because you know what? You know, I um I bit my tongue, I didn't say it the way I really wanted to say it. And that's, that kind of sucks, but, you know, we I didn't want to lose our, our audience either. So I don't yes. know what the right answer is. Well, you're smart because I have a hard time self-censoring, but I've also paid the consequences for it yeah. <laughs> many times. If legend precedes him. The one video Jackman Radio had removed from our YouTube page was an interview we did with Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s right-hand woman at the defense, the National Children's Defense Fund group that he runs. Um, and we had a great hour conversation. And like you said, Daniel, I bit my tongue the whole time the last two years of the flu world order. I kept my mouth shut. I didn't say the wrong things. I didn't, you know, and we finally let it rip with her for an hour. And within 16 hours, that video was nuked. Yeah. Oh, I just lost my discord. I forgot to mention that. And it was over the Fauci virus. Um, I forgot how many years we had a discord. I kind of quit using it and went to telegram, just had a bot reposting my stuff over there. But yeah, our Discord's gone. Second Discord we've lost over Rona. I think Reed's only horseman they censored was the one with myself, Fitzgerald, and Nelson talking adult stuff about 9-11. Yep. Okay, it's weird because you can say whatever kook theory you want, and it's got millions of views on YouTube. But if you start talking about what actually happened, you're gone, right? The disinformation police come in. And all we're saying is stuff that's already admitted by our own FBI. And all we're doing is connecting dots, right? And uh, well, that's not all we're doing, but they don't want you to talk about that. But I got a series coming. I did two hours with Fitzgerald. I'm going to talk to Nelson after I get back from Texas. And then I'm going on again with Fitzgerald. And we're going to just do each plane, each the, the whole story, no matter how long it takes. And uh, I guess we'll <laughs> keep it on Odyssey or BitChute or something. Well, they'll never let us on YouTube again. And that's yeah. failed. And so speaking of. <laughs> Speaking of Texas, all three of us, well, all four of us, because Daniel will be there, but uh, the three of us, we're going to go to Texas early June for Ron Paul's event. So he's still doing events. He's still at it, Daniel. Uh, what, what's this next event about? What's going to be going on? Yeah, I love the, um, I love our, our, uh, our image for it. You know, my, my wife is a graphic designer and she did it, you know, of this thing of Biden, you know, that famous picture of him and it's got a, He's green. I just really dig it. But it's, you know, the Biden doctrine, new world order or nuclear Armageddon. And um, it's in Houston. It's a smaller conference. It's not we do a big one in D.C. and We're going to do that. Actually, you guys, the four horsemen will be the first to know it'll be on September 3rd, Labor Day weekend. I haven't oh, announced nice. that yet. But um, big scoop. Oh, yeah, big scoop. There we go. But um, we'll have four or five speakers here. We've got Scott Ritter, who's been great on uh, on what's going on in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Lou Rockwell is going to be there. Dr. Paul, myself, 
probably uh, probably one other person will announce soon uh, is going to be there. So it's just, you know, it's going to be a great event. And uh, we've got three this year, which we've never done. We've got that one. We've got the DC one, which is going to be about um, the title. Here's another scoop. It's, uh, the title is Anatomy of a Police State. And Ooh, we're going to oh, do wow. that one. And then we're going to come back to Lake Jackson on um, the War on Speech, uh, which was canceled. That was supposed to be May <laughs> of 2020, and COVID got it canceled. So we're going to bring that back, mostly because I also really like the logo for that one. So that's one of the main reasons we're going to do that one. So, um, Have but, you lined up speakers for the War on Speech one? Um, I haven't for that one yet. Originally, we were going to have like Jonathan Turley, who's great on, on speech. Um, but I haven't yet. I, I'm going to start thinking about them. I'm, I'm right now. I, I'm just doing my list, and I've got like, like ten or fifteen people that I want to narrow down for the um, anatomy of a police state uh, conference. Yeah. So that sounds like uh, something Alex Jones would talk about the police state, Daniel. We've been battling it for years. <laughs> that was good. Just like Doctor Paul said, the answer in 1984 is 1776. Save <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a good conference, though. Yeah, that that's that's encouraging that Dr. Paul is still out doing it, and it's inspiring. You know, I've been uh, been into him for 15 years, and uh, it, that dictates when I'm going to support a candidate. You know, how closely aligned are they with Ron Paul's views of foreign policy is really the main thing, and then every, everything else. You know, I can deal with differences and disagreements, but that to me, that's like the north star of, of supporting someone for office. So. Yeah, I think so, too. And it's the easiest one to get wrong, too, because it's, I mean, most Americans, you guys know this, Ron, you know, I mean, Americans don't travel. And so they don't know anything mm -hmm. about the rest of the world. And they think of, right. they think it's what it's like, you know, on TV or something. I, I, I lived overseas for not as long as Ryan, but for a long time. And it's just, it's different when you travel, when you live overseas, you understand the world differently. And I mean, that's fine if you don't travel. But don't try to run the world then because you don't know crap about it. Some people don't travel out of their own town even. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you're outside and then go back in, you get what we call reverse culture shock. Because yeah. in your head, it was a certain way. And when you've been removed long enough and when you've been removed from the state propaganda long enough, like you're not getting that media anymore. And then you look back and it's so cartoonishly clownish and stupid. <laughs> it really is. True. I, mean, I was already yeah. there before I left. And it got worse, <laughs> but I think it really got worse. Like even if I say it, it seems to be when we had like Walter Cronkite or whatever, the media now <laughs> with like the Rachel Maddow's and stuff, it's they, it's like Dora the Explorer. They scream talk the whole time. All they ever do is lie. Always. They, they are incapable of telling the truth. They have to at least exaggerate. You can't. There's it's like any New Yorker talking about it. They're all pitchmen, the pharma, the banks, yeah. and the military. That's yeah. all our media is. They're just pitchmen. They're, yeah. not, they're not providers of news. You know, just scoundrels. Wow. 53 minutes before you got it's to the been bell. Like, it's Brian, been like that since Lincoln, right? He shut down the papers. That's when the state and media married is when Lincoln came in and shut down the newspapers, except for his own. And it never... It never returned. The free press never came back. It's there's always Washington's always had control of the papers and then later the networks, you know, and now social media. All these social media, when they started getting brought before Congress, then they, you know, they basically said do it or else and they all complied. Yeah. yeah. They can't Google even said, remember, we can't let there be another twenty sixteen. 
right? They want their side to win. These Silicon Valley. I hope Elon moves the whole apparatus out of San Francisco, put it in Texas or somewhere in the South, right? Or get rid of it. How, why would you need a headquarters for Twitter? Don't they all work from home? <laughs> like, yeah, right. It seems like. But. Put it up on Mars. Well, Daniel, you'll I have can't to wait to come to Daniel's event. I mean, that's yeah. uh, I'm going all. I was just spent money to go to the U.S., but I this is worth it. And uh, thanks to everybody that donated for that trip. By the way, we will it's be there. Stock. Yep, a lot of uh, right. a lot of A and C is going to be there. The Horsemen will be there. I believe Pugs coming too, and a lot of the crew that people don't see will be the the youth contingent, maybe. Daniel, I want some good barbecue. You got to you got to point us to some good barbecue. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I will uh, I will think of something near Houston, definitely. I want a tomahawk steak. Yeah, oh, I want a big old. I want a Liberty steak with Dr. Paul. <laughs> like fifty fifty about like seeing McAdams and Paul and Ritter and Lee Rockwell or tomahawk steak. The only thing I miss about the U.S. is the food. It is ridiculously large in portions, which isn't good every day. But hey, I'm on a vacation, right? So (laughs) treat yourself. We're we're gonna have to watch out for drone strikes while all of us are in the same place. That's kind of a you know a dangerous idea. But (laughs) uh, don't give those ideas, man. Daniel's got to get going. So uh, let's just let's do plugs real quick and then we'll get out of here. But uh, Eric, where can people keep up with you and what you're doing? Yeah, thanks, Reed. And Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. It's it's great to meet you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks. Um, Yeah, everybody, please subscribe to my channel on YouTube, Jackman Radio. We've been building that up and building up subscribers. And I'm on Twitter at Jackman Radio and uh, on Instagram. And if you like what we do, uh, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Jackman Radio. Oh, something's wrong. Ryan, that was mine. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was getting canceled off this. Yeah, I'm banned on all the stuff he just said, but I'm on um, I'm on the alt stuff, Telegram, Substack. The links are below. Bitshoot, Odyssey, all the uh, the really deep basement uh, oven stuff. But ANCReport.com, anti-neocon report. We do a show every day, sometimes two, usually. And Telegram is sort of our Twitter. VK is our Facebook uh substack is our patreon and that's that's how we roll there and um you know odyssey i see the libertarian institutes on there the ron paul institutes on there rt's on there so you know a lot of big names coming over to odyssey come with it tower gangs on there right reed yeah <laughs> tower tower gang is on there. <laughs> and uh i've been on there for five years or something or uh, whenever it started it was one of the first people to join library so we're building that up all building up the media is everything guys like we can argue about and we discuss oh who's going to be next president whatever who else in government doesn't matter until we fix the press every single war they start starts with a lie and every single lie starts with mass media so you change the media that's what predicates everything that comes after it i think we need to focus on that more than who all gets into office and that's why these conferences like what's in texas these kind of forums and lectures and media that needs to be spread every this message needs to be spread everywhere and unfortunately they're not going to allow it on uh you know the youtubes and stuff or they'll shadow ban it minimal so you got to get out there and help build up alt so that's what we're doing ancreport.com you scum <laughs> excuse me for worse yeah, and Daniel, where can people keep up with you? Uh, RomPolicyTube.org. We're, we're on YouTube. We're also on Rumble and Odyssey um, mm-hmm. uh, as well. 
but you know, Ryan, what you said about Telegram is interesting because I had always thought it was really clunky. But I, you know, the institute it has a, it has a Twitter account, and so it follows a lot of things pro Ukraine and pro Russia, uh, and then all the pro Russian ones were just getting knocked off, and and I need to see both sides, and so I finally was kicking and screaming over to Telegram, and it's actually really fascinating over there. I mean, there's a oh, lot of stuff. You- let me give you some links because I'm on all that stuff. Yeah, they banned they banned Scott Ritter, they banned Pepe Escobar, they banned Philip, they banned me. Um, anybody, uh, all, everybody from Consortium News, all the Robert Perry crew and stuff, they don't have Twitter accounts. But on Telegram, um, I've got some really great Russian telegrams and inside scoop on there. I, maybe I should put. Oh, you got you got share them. Yeah, I, I've yeah. got quite a few. But yeah, I mean, I'm into it. It's not it's not that hard to get used to. It's just you know. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's a go-to place for information. I don't know what I'd do, how I'd share my own information without it, really. Because, yeah. uh, like you said, even though you do have a Twitter left, you got to self-censor in a way because... And it's Twitter- also boring. It's just one side. You know, yep. I mean, I want to find out what happened to this bridgehead. I'm sure you guys are looking at it, too, um, in... in, in, uh, in um, going towards Slavyanskum is Yeah, exactly, exactly. I want to know what happened because the claim was that 1500 Russians were killed and you know 70 pieces of equipment. And so, I mean, it's not clear. And so you can't just go to Twitter obviously, you know, so you have to move around and you have to try to put things together and figure out what happened. And thanks, I mean, Telegram is is, is great for that kind of thing to get the other side. Yeah, yeah Twitter's so you're right bad. about the media. You're so right about the media, Ryan. You're you. so right. Yeah, yeah that's, and that's why that's why I was excited when you had the conference about uh, censorship and free speech. I got a lot to say about censorship. I've been getting <laughs> censored since AOL hometown, right? It's PO um, box. Hatteras got censored. <laughs> you want to come back in? If you want to come back in the autumn, you know, you can. Uh, you can give a uh, it's expensive to come to the U.S., but for uh, maybe, I mean, we'll see how things are going. Since I've been, when I lost my big YouTube channel for that, I couldn't get returned. You know, I got it returned like five times because I never actually broke any rules. Now they don't care. There's unwritten rules and written rules, and when you break an unwritten rule, they accuse you of breaking a written rule, even though you didn't. And then there's no, they're judged during executioner. And this, people say it's a private company, do they want BS? They it's break breach of contract because they say you're a partner, right? You're a partner with yeah. you legally, and they say here's the rules which they've actually written down. These are our terms of service. You can't engage in, you know, threats of violence and hate speech, which is defined by advocating violence for A, B, C, D, E, F, G groups, blah blah blah. And but then they've got the unwritten rules, and I know the unwritten rules too late because Sean Atwood got them. He got. His channel had 700,000 something followers. They kicked him off YouTube because of covering Epstein, basically. And then they basically said, yeah, you can't talk about COVID. You can't talk about Epstein. You can't talk about Israel. You can't talk about Ukraine. You can't talk all the things I talk about all the time, right? But that's not in their rules, right? So they just banned me. They didn't even give me any strikes. They just said, oh, it was something like, repeated violations of community standards. I'm like, okay, where are these violations? What are they? Which videos are they? You don't get to do it. And any other business, if I got fired for, uh, like, let's say, sexism or whatever, racism or something, I could say, nah, and take them to court. And a judge would decide if I engage in those activities or not. But with YouTube, it's their trust and safety committee. So they are judge, jury, and executioner, right? So all this fiddling around with Section 230, forget about it. 
It's a breach of contract law, and people ought to be able to sue them because they don't have a third party to arbitrate disputes about whether or not their partner engaged in activity that was against the rules. It's all you're doing. All they're doing is using those rules as an excuse to ban people who say things that they politically don't like. And everybody knows that. And if I had a money for a lawyer, I would sue the piss out of them. <laughs> but I don't. So. Yeah. Well, I might be the next to get banned. So everyone make sure you follow me on Odyssey as well. Uh, the links to follow all these guys are in the description as well as me on other platforms. So go do that. Uh, and like we said, we'll be in Texas, uh, we'll be in Texas in the beginning of June. I'll be at the Libertarian Party National Convention, uh, what, two weeks from now. Uh, and then I'll be moving back to New Hampshire right after we go to Texas. Ooh. So what's in the near future, but thanks for watching everybody. If you're new, please subscribe to the channel and we'll catch you on the next episode.